Welcome, dear listeners, to Sacred Journey Through the Pages of God's Word. I'm your guide in this adventure, Steve Kitts, and I'm truly grateful that you've joined me in another session of During Bible Study Podcast. Before we look closer into these verses that will illuminate your heart and your mind today, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open your precious word, we look for your guidance and wisdom. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. Illuminate the truth within each of these sacred pages. Bless all those that tune in today, that they may find solace, inspiration, and spiritual growth through what is shared and explored in your word. In Jesus' holy name we pray, and amen. The senses or enrollment before Jesus was born. Let's talk about that. The census or enrollment, which according to Luke chapter 2, was an occasion of the journey of Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. It is connected to the decree that was sent out by Augustus embracing the Roman Greek world. This decree had been carried out in Palestine by Herod and probably in accordance to the Jewish method each going back to their own city rather than the Romans. While Josephus does not mention the Herodians' census, Luke carefully distinguishes the census as the time of Jesus' birth was first. And this first is a series of enrollment connected to either the Aquarius or with imperial policy the inaugurated time decreed by Augustus. The way I see it, God gave this guy the thought and the means to create this census. God had this happen so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. We know that God can use anyone and everyone, even someone in the government office to make things happen for his people. So I got to looking at Quirius, uh, that is in the Bible, the name Quirinius occurs only once in the Bible, and that's in Luke chapter 2, where Luke explains that Caesar Augustus ordered this disastrous uh, census while Quirius was the governor of Syria. This census, which gave Quirius a temporary authority over Judea and all of its environments, tore Judea into two different camps, namely those that considered taking the the census in Israel illegal under the Torahic law that was provided in Genesis and Jeremiah and again in Hosea. These opponents clubbed under the name the Zealots. They revolted and they kept fighting the Romans when they were the urge occurred to them. <clears throat> now these Zealots endured in the great Jewish revolt and ultimately in the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD. And we know that uh, the Zealots were Christian fighters. They They were troublemakers that wanted to get everybody else out of their area and let them alone to serve God the way they want. Those who figured that compliance was 
with whomsoever with the power to destroy entire nations, their legacies and temples, it makes proceedings over the minor decree, especially when that decree isn't at all clear and may have been designed to protect the nation rather than to endanger it. Mary and Joseph obviously belonged to this camp, and they were the peaceful resistance while remaining legally compliant because the primary political policies of their son, Jesus, and the Apostle Paul alike. Now, the decade of Jesus' birth, the publicist Scopelius Aquarius, I know I'm butchering his name, but he was a self-made man from an undistinguished family who battled his way through military prominence while stationed in North Africa, province of Crete and Sirens. And that's in 14 B.C. In 12 B.C., he became a consult, which had been the highest elected political rank of a Republican and was one of the imperial's nomination under the Empire of Rome. In 12 to 1 B.C., the council governed people mostly of the Galanta and Syriensis after he became the rector. Now, the rector, that's like a collector or a tutor or a guide of the young Gaius Caesar, who would have succeeded the Emperor Augustus had he not succumbed to injuries during a campaign. Then he got replaced by Tiberius. Quirius moved on to serve the new emperor-to-be who was now stationed in the Roman Armenia. Quirius became governor of Rome, uh, the province of Syria, in 6 AD after the disposition of Herod Archicles. The, later fa- the later's father, Herod the Great, not Herod Archicles, was exterminated in the last of the dynasties of Hermosiums. That's the Davidic royal line which ruled until Rome fell in 63 BC and Judea became a client kingdom. By murdering his own son and his favorite wife, Marmoning, although Herod was ideal, at least he had been raised as a Jew and he kept the Judaic kingdom going and after Herod the Great had built the temple. After Herod's death, the kingdom was divided among his sons. Archicles had inherited Judea, Samaria, and Idiom. He was no longer a real king, but rather a watered-down version of a king. But still, a diligent, he maintained the appearance of a Judean kingdom. Now in 6 AD, however, Judea was declared a Roman providence. Archelaus was put there and the kingdom of Judea had come to its end. Well, here comes the Christians to the rescue. Certain folks have begun to campaign for this reinstatement of the Davidic king who throughout the Old Testament was called the Anointed One, or the Messiah in Hebrew, 
and Christ in the Greek wording, these people have probably been active since the fall of the Hose Museum, but because it was more so when the kingdom actually stopped to exist and were most probably known as Christians long before Jesus came onto the scene. Because Jesus later explained that not some military men in the fortress was the anointed one, but rather every individual under God. And we see he backs that up with Exodus 19.6, Matthew 23, 8-12, 2 Corinthians 1, 21, and then 1 John 2, 20, 1 Timothy 6, 15. Observers began to confuse followers of the way of Christ, and that's why today we speak erroneous of most Christianity. Some modern cities have noted that Luke ties the some modern critics note that Luke ties the birth of Christ simultaneously with historical events that span at least the 10-year area. Herod the Great died in 4 BC and Quirius became governor of Syria in 6 AD. The suggestion that Luke made an error beyond uh, the merit of further comments apart perhaps from noting that the gospel ranks among the most complex literary works that has ever been produced and were produced within literal transitions that have been surpassed in the skills of and scholarships, not even effect. A more helpful proposal comes with the understanding that the first century A.D., theologist was not the only thing that was seamless and intertwined with politics and scientific pursuits. Today the world Christian <clears throat> today the word Christianity indicates a religion. But if the winds of change have blown slightly different, the same word might today have denoted the political leaning or supporting of political moves. An art form or perhaps even a scientific dis- discipline. With the literal characters of Jesus Christ, with the literal character of Jesus Christ, the evangelist explained the life of history of Jesus of Nazareth as commentary of both the Old Testament and events of the first century before and after Christ, roughly the period from the beginning of the fall of the Republic to the translocation in Sanhedrin of the Sanhedrin from the destroyed Jerusalem to Japan and finally Usher of Galilee. That would explain why Jesus' birth spans at least the decade in the books. Jesus' literal character embodies the resistant movement. We see the article in the name Pilate and why he has two separate paternal lines of ancestry. One through Solomon, we see in Matthew 1 and 6, and the other one through Nathan and Luke 3.31. Joseph M. Wanted with the Constitutionalist Politics. Tune in for the upcoming episode for May 4. Issue, never the issue, as well as, yes, Peter Serafin, Rosemary Downer, Don Gallade, Gista the Rapper, 
Cy Young, Jason Perry, and upcoming Jack Hagar, Andrew Thorpe King, Trent Rock, Ed Temple, Chris Morehouse, and more. Please tune in to Constitutionalist Politics. God bless. Pilot is a title we leave. So we'll go with that. Just like President. At first glance, the name Quirius in Greek looks like it was something to do with the name Cyri, hence held the Simon who carried out that carried Jesus' cross and who was dubbed the father of Alexander and Rufus. He had two sons, and not many people want to focus on that, but these two sons ended up serving Christ and being important. And we see that in Mark 15, 21. This is noteworthy because while stationed in Cyre, Quirius successfully battled a desert tribe called Maramadea, yet averted the Koamen, which is formerly nicknamed Maracurus. Perhaps he had chosen the Koamen, Aquarius, instead, or else decided to hang on to his surprisingly fitting inherited Koamen. If Aquarius indeed rejected the name Maramurcus in favor of the name that derived from Syri, then ultimately both names stem from the Greek word kupus or kurus, which means supreme power or denotes the name of a man that ultimately had authority. From the same noun comes a more familiar name, Coriopus or Curiopus, meaning master or lord. In the Bible, this word was implied to the Roman emperor. We see that Acts 21, 26. Then also applying to pagan deities, 1 Corinthians 8 and 5. But mostly it is applied to Yahweh or Jesus. To Greek ears, the name Quirius ran like the word Curious, but to the Romans it doubtedly associated the name Quirinarius. The later name belonged to two separate and important Roman deities. The first one was the ancient war god Quirinarius, which traditionally sanctioned the sedated on Quirion's hill and later on Roman signatures seven hills. Roman's mythology elaborated on the character and the functions of Quirinius by having the victorious founder of Romalius turn into Quirius upon his death and ascending into the heavens. The Augustan times, the worship of the Roman state was hip and considered just cool. And the Roman state was represented by the triad of gods, including Jupiter, Mars, Quirius, and later and it was involved evolved to Jupiter, Juno, and Materna. Its signification that queerness was mostly associated with general populace at peace, which obviously lost much of her respect when the Senate governor 
Republican degenerated into the totarian empire of Rome. Note that queerness most dominantly symbol was the myrtle, which obviously also played a major part in the Bible as a symbol of fertility, virtuous foreigners who do good despite unfamiliarity with the Torah prescriptions. And we see that in Zechariah 1 and 8. And then we talk, look at Janus queerness. Queerness was a major epithet in the major deities Janus, who guarded the beginning and transitions, particularly his presidings over the transition between the state of war and the state of peace was marked by his name, Abek Aquarius. Janus was honored with a temple in Rome that was built by the ancient king Numa, which was equipped with huge doors. During the times of peace, these doors would be closed, but during times of war, they would be open, sometimes for centuries on end. In the time of Jesus, the doors frequently opened, but were shut again with ever great fanfare as the concept of peace became more and more reverent and the ultimate defiance as Pax under Augustus. That means that the term open door became syn synopsis with the period of war. And we see that again in Revelations 3, Matthew 16. And when Jesus said, knocking the door will be open in Matthew 7, he's not talking about a, a supplementary prayer to God. In the Jewish tradition, God does not reside behind closed doors, but warns that if the resistance against the Romans or swines mentioned in uh, Matthew 7 and 6, they drop off and perform the open debate and plummet into the basin of violence, the door of Janus's temple will certainly open against the Jews. And of course he was right. The ancient king Numa not only built Janus's temple, but also set up issued the royal laws or Legio Regiga. One of the laws was called Sopia Opimia, which described the ritual concerning the stripping of the defendant enemy's clothing and then including offering Janus Aquarius the sacrifice of a lamb. So they stripped of Jesus' clothes so empathetically mentioned by the evangelists, obviously corresponding with this rite. So the autonomy of the name Quirius. The cognic Quirius doubtly comes from Quirius and not the wholly clear what that name really comes from. Some just suggest that it was a sublime word for spear. The uh, name of Quirius has been turned to suggest that the story of the Romulus and Rumius share the common ancestor with the story of Cain and Abel. And this was the case with Curius to be a spearman and Cornus to be the man of a spear. Note that the theory places the name Quirinus also in the close vicinity of the name Pilate 
which might mean equipped with lances. Another possible source of the name is that the Sabine cities cures from hence the Sabines traveled to Rome joined the locals to become more of a Roman's country. The Sabines employed many terms that came from Northern Europe. Quer appears to be the cognate with the Germanic were or weir, hence the German word wehrmatic, meaning defense force, and the Dutch verb wehren and wehrening to defend. This would give the name cures a meaning in the citadel or defense fort, Aquarius, that of the defender, and Quirinus uh, as the defender. The Roman lance or javelin may have seemed to have been the signature attack weapon of this group, but the fact it was far less of a typical long range ballistic weapon as much as the arrow. And much rather than intermediate between the ballistic attack weapon and the instrument of active defense such as the sword. Particularly close ranks of the javelin carried soldiers would be nearly impossible to penetrate. The third possible source of the name is that the word curia, which describes the original most rudimentally government structure of the Roman Republic. Rather, the Curian evolved into what we know as the Senate. It's not clear where this word might come from, but obviously familiar in its form and meaning to the Greek word curious. Some scholars have proposed that curia is the contradiction to the coera, literally the company of vile men. So that is our, a state of the Senate or local government. Whether the oldest form of the Republic government was signified by the close-knit group, but butch boy, homeboys, or rather stemmed from a hedge of spear-carrying defenders, isn't clear, but perhaps one inspired the other, and ultimately even the otherwise hard-to-explain crown of thorns on Jesus' head. Note that our English word trans- enfranchised is the opposite of enfranchised and is based on the word Francisca which is javelin hence the Franks in France to enfranchise literally means to equip with a spear and is used as sense of granting a settlement municipal rights and a person's citizenship like the right to vote and to local government. To disenfranchise means to take literally away and enslave people. All these associated combined make it clear that queerness was not simply a war god, but rather a great defender and a keeper of the peace. As literally the character queerness obviously makes a very close parallel to the basic structure of the biblical universe, as the evangelists undoubtedly were aware of. Their view on Rome was not like that, was an innate evil group, 
but rather that it had once started and most glorious of human endeavors, but it had become corrupt until it became the utter blasphemous empire and was ridiculed of the divine power of the emperor. Many, even the Romans, mourned the loss of the original innocence and tried to steer Rome back to its former glory and righteousness. Now we looked at the meaning of queerness. Since queerness means powerful defender or powerful peacemaker, the name queerness means powerful man of peace, which is a strong hint towards the government resting on his shoulders. And we've seen that in Isaiah 9 and 6. The Koeman queerness combined with his perineum uh, populus, meaning the people, makes the name that reflects to a deciding of a Republican of peace-loving political leanings. The geographic work of Herod Agrippa, together with the interest of the Imperium on organization and finances of the empire and the attention which he gave to the providence are indirectly corroborative with Luke's statement. Augustus himself conducted a census in Italy in Golan uh, and his census taken was in other provinces as well. For Egypt there is evidence of a regular periodic census every 14 years extending back to uh, 773 uh, AD and it is now it's not probable that this pro- process was introduced by Augustus he wasn't the first one to come up with this idea of the census what I'm, what I'm getting at the time of the decree was stated that only in the general terms by Luke and it may have been uh, reflecting back to that earlier census in other providences or kingdoms Luke takes the census in the kingdom of Herod specifically by connecting it with the administration functions of queerness of Syria. So basically what I'm saying is God put this guy in power and gave him the thought and the foresight to put the census together to allow Mary and Joseph to go back to Bethlehem to be counted right at the right time where Jesus was due to be born to line up with the Bible and the Old Testament of promise of the Messiah God doesn't do anything by chance everything is planned out and then on spot and learning about these rulers it's pretty neat to me that God uses the non-Christians to do his bidding as well and they don't even realize it uh, but there's a higher power that's in work and I pray that our government that God uses the higher powers to help the Christians today so just know that we can pray for our, our leadership and God can make a difference in this world through them so that's about the census and why it was, you know, who called it for sure, and and why he needed it was to find out how many young men were of fighting age if they 
was to do something against the Jewish people, how many people would rise up and fight against them. And remember, it was right before they did try to, and they destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and everything else in 70 AD. So the census probably helped them know who was who and where people were and what they were able to do. The government's always trying to keep record of people and keep you down, but we know that God has a plan and He can overcome any of it no matter what the world does against us. All right, we'll close in a prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that we trust and we put our faith in You that You are the one that's in charge, that You're the greater voice and You're able to do all things. And we trust You with everything in our whole life in our finances, and our, our family, even our breath, Lord, we trust it with you. In your blessed holy name, and amen. I want to take a minute to talk to you about Buzzsprout. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new market or a channel, may I suggest that you share your thoughts and your ideas with the world. And it's just so fun to have a talk show Podcasting is very easy, inexpensive, and a fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Within minutes of finishing each recording, Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And a team that they have at Buzzsprout is passionate in helping you succeed. They want you to succeed. Join with over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's go ahead and create something together. God bless you.